Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Jays fans. Welcome to another edition of the 1620 The Jays podcast. It is our year-end edition. I guess we would call it half-year-end edition, means we started this thing back in September, so maybe it's more of a quarter of a year. I'm John Bishop alongside Josh Peterson and Connor Happer, and today we are just going to do a year-in-review program for Creighton Athletics in 2022. Obviously, the winter sports are well underway, crossing into the new year. We'll have plenty more on both men's and women's basketball as we continue into the new year. And then, of course, we get to the spring sports. We get uh, we get tennis back, we get some golf, and, of course, baseball and softball. So we look forward to bringing you more great interviews with the athletes and the coaches. So, uh, gentlemen, uh, welcome. And we should remind folks that today's podcast, as always, brought to you by Barry Law, Josh and Connor. It's been uh, been a, an eventful last uh, what three three and a half months since we started the sixteen twenty the Jays podcast, and I'm proud to say we have it touched on every sport at least once, many sports multiple times. Yeah, it's been it's been a, a whole lot of fun, John. As we've you know looked back and and had many conversations with both coaches uh, and athletes, and as you know as we do our year in review right now, it's a reminder of. I mean, really some of the high highs that some of these programs had. I know we're going to talk, of course, about women's basketball in a little bit, but, you know, I continue to think back at the run that they had, and they've, of course, gotten off to a great start this year, a mainstay inside of the top 25. It's been uh, it's been quite the year for Creighton Athletics so far. Yeah, I would say so, too. Like, I mean, you think back, we did a podcast a couple of weeks ago where we just had to sort of update everybody on, on where things were at for the four major sports, talk about the four, you know, major ones at Creighton with – men's women's basketball and volleyball and, and soccer. And at that point, soccer was going into a college cup and men's women's basketball were both ranked and, and volleyball was in the NCAA tournament. So, um, you know, you could even go back to last year at the end of last year, as we will with the, with the winter sports here and, and they finished off pretty well too, but it's been an awesome, you know, time to time to be around Creighton athletics and, and just a, a really, I, I think a, uh, an important sort of moment for them as they, you know, step further and further 10 years in the big East. Now, I mean, you get to that part of it too. So um, it, it's been a really, really cool time to be around it. It's it's been 10 years in the big East. And of course, just finishing up really year one and change with Marcus Blossom and the new administration at Creighton. Marcus was our guest on the very first 1620 the Jays podcast. And you mentioned it, Connor, it is a very important time. Not only, you know, you're crossing a, a threshold of 10 years in the Big East, but, um, you know, all of the changes in major college athletics and how an athletic department like Creighton's, which does not have, you know, state money, does not have a big state school uh, influence. Uh, certainly it is not the focal point of the entire state. It is not in one of the the power, you know, football conferences, certainly in basketball, the Big East is very well respected. But in terms of the big money, big media conferences, it certainly isn't up there. And so you're having to always, you know, be creative and find new ways to be able to compete at a very high level. And, you know, you had volleyball making yet another NCAA tournament, both the women's and men's basketball teams making the tournament. You mentioned soccer uh, going all the way to the College Cup. It's it's a challenge, and it's and it's certainly an accomplishment. Anytime you can get your sports not only into the NCAA tournament, then deep into the NCAA tournament, considering some of the budgetary and media challenges that a school like Creighton has, certainly by any metric, it has been the continuation 
of a pretty good run. And you can make the argument that it's been one of the most successful calendar years the athletic department has probably ever enjoyed. I mean, it's it's not a decade in review, but if you are to look back and, you know, the last 10 years, the Big East and, and where Creighton's at now, um, you know, it's a it's a you know, we knew that it would be huge Creighton entering entering this league just in, in terms of, you know, visibility and, and everything like that. But I, I think it's exceeded everybody's wildest expectations and, and everybody, you know, all the major sports and plus some some more are competing at the national level and, and, and competing for championships. And it's sort of felt like it reached, you know, a, a, a pretty big point this year with all those major teams performing really well. Some of the outside as well. I mean, it, it's been obviously a hugely successful run, but this, this last year, um, you know, with, with an elite eight run in, in women's basketball and a college cup run in soccer um, and, and a win in the NCAA tournament for men's basketball, which in, in a year where, you know, we forget with all the hype from this year, men's basketball, we're really supposed to be in that position last year. Um, so, yeah, that that that's huge for Creighton Athletics as a whole when those major programs are making noise. Yeah, and to piggyback off of that, Happer, and, and I guess this can kind of allow us to move into baseball. I, I think you said something, you know, this isn't a decade in review, but, man, you look back at recent seasons. I, I almost want to start, like, with 2019 in baseball as they have a nice tournament performance. They get all the way to an elimination game uh, versus Michigan. That happens. Of course, the men finally, after, sadly, the COVID cancellation of the 2020 NCAA tournament, the men's basketball team, they make their first Sweet 16 run in 2021. And then, yeah, you look at this calendar year. You talk about the College Cup run for the men's soccer program, doing something that they had not done in about a decade. Um, and then, of, of course, the women in basketball going as far as they ever have. So you just wonder if this is perhaps the beginning of, of that next era, that next championship era, as they continue to try to go deeper and deeper in these NCAA tournaments that these sports compete in. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll defer to John on baseball a little bit, but it, it feels like, John, they're about as – about as steady as ever. I mean, competing at the Big East every single year, and you know exactly what to expect out of an Ed Service coach team, and it doesn't feel like that's going anywhere anytime soon. No, it certainly doesn't. And as we uh, begin our year in review, and we'll talk some baseball, we remind you that the 1620 The Jays podcast is presented by Barry Law. Your most important assets are your body, your mind, and your future. And when those are jeopardized by an injury that isn't your fault, you need to fight back and regain your life. Call Barry Law at 402-999-7777 or visit barrylawfirm.com. At Barry Law, we help defend the rights of those in need. At Barry Law, we are in it to win it. And with baseball... It started back in February with a very rough early stretch. They went on the road and promptly got blown out in their first two games against Portland. Ended up getting swept in all four games of that series. They managed to win two out of three against little-regarded Loyola Marymount. And by the time they got to Big East play, they had started to stabilize things somewhat. They came back home. They took a series from Minnesota. They took two out of three against their old rival, Wichita State. Of course, anytime uh, Creighton beats Nebraska in baseball, that's a major accomplishment. So by the time they got into Big East play, the Jays had really started humming along. And when you have two guys at the top of the order, like Alan Roden and Jared Wegner leading the way, Roden hitting 387, only had four home runs this year, which was kind of surprising, but 46 runs batted in. Again, only for a guy who hits like he does in 194 at-bats, only had eight strikeouts 
all season. Just amazing <laughs> back control. And but the guy right behind him in the order, Jared Wegner, uh, the the product from Carney, goes off for eleven home runs, fifty three runs batted in. They made for a dynamic combination at the top of the order. And Andrew Meggs had a really nice season as well offensively at the plate, hitting three twenty four. It was a very much a top heavy order with those three guys in particular. Most of the rest of the order was batting in the low 200s, but the Jays were still able through what is typically a good Ed service. It wasn't a great Ed service defense, but it certainly was, uh, uh, you know, around an average Ed service defense, which is going to play in any ballpark in the country. Unfortunately, when it comes down to baseball, it always comes down to, well, how are you going to do against Connecticut? And that's the one biggest difference, you know, as we kind of morph the year-in-review concept into what has happened in the last decade, the addition of UConn in baseball has really tipped the scales uh, for baseball because UConn has always had a solid program, and they have been the dominator, to be quite frank. Uh, They beat the Jays in three straight, three very close matchups uh, in stores Connecticut at the end of the season, denying the Jays an opportunity for a regular season championship. And then in the Big East tournament, sent Creighton to the loser's bracket before a very disappointing finish uh, in the loss, the elimination game loss, 27-8 to eight to Xavier. But overall, for the Blue Jay baseball team, guys, it was, uh, it was, an, it was a solid season. Uh, anytime you can finish top two, top three in the conference, that's an accomplishment. Certainly, you were hoping that a, with a non-conference schedule that included teams like Arizona who came in. We had never seen Arizona come in for a home series. Um, they... they playing the area schools like Wichita State that you would hope that they could have built a big enough resume to maybe get some at-large consideration. But really the stumbles at the beginning of the season as the pitching staff was trying to find itself uh, really kind of held them back this year. But, uh, uh, you know, you talk about stars, uh, Dylan Tabrock, uh, continuing a long line of, uh, of great Friday night starters. You think back to Jonas Dufek and Ty Block um, and, and Raleigh Lacey. But Dylan Tabrock, who ended up setting a Creighton record for strikeouts in one game in his final game in Omaha with an 8-2 and two record this season, and he had 115 strikeouts in 93 innings, was really solid. Um, you know, But again, this conference is going to be basically led – by the Yukon Huskies, and it's going to be a challenge for for Ed Service and and his coaching staff to try to find a way to get above and beyond what Yukon is because they just seem to be ahead above everybody else in the league. The good thing about having Yukon in the league is it, it's forced some teams to take baseball more seriously. There's a few that I think kind of go through the motions when it comes to baseball. Mm. Um I think, you know, Xavier and St. John's have been really solid programs. Obviously, Creighton takes it seriously. But bringing UConn into the league has really made some folks step up their game. And so I'll be curious to see how this next year goes for the Blue Jays as they try to keep up with uh, with with Connecticut. Yeah, well, it's always pitching and defense for them, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't expect that to change anytime soon. And that was sort of the thing last year. And um, you know, whether it's to Brock and, and whoever's next on that, on that line of pitchers, you're, they're going to find a, a front end guy. It's going to be pretty dang good. It's been fun to watch those battles with UConn, um, in their, in their first year in the league. And, um, that's going to be the, the one to watch going forward. And now you have, like you said, John, you have this sort of, you know, uh, standard to hold yourself up to. And I think overall that's, that's really, really good for the league and, and ultimately good for Creighton. 
Yeah, and you know, John, you said it a couple minutes ago. You know, the the defense just maybe not at that level that we have grown accustomed to seeing. You know, in recent vintage. So I know that as as we'll be at the ballpark so much for unsportsmanlike conduct ahead a lot of ahead of a lot of year calls this this upcoming year. I, I wonder what type of discussion we'll be having, whether it's you and me about the the games that they're playing in, or when we have Ed Service on to talk about it as well. If they can regain that form and and play it just at such a high level on the base paths that we have seen with their defense in years past. And I know we had uh, Connor Gandasi, uh, Creighton's assistant coach um, and recruiting coordinator on the podcast a few weeks ago, and, and he seems genuinely excited. They do have a lot of their pitching back, uh, sadly not Dylan to Brock, but they've got a lot of their relief staff back, including Tommy Steyer, who was really good, really a swing guy who could uh, not only – uh, spot start for you, but could eat up a lot of innings in the middle of the game could also finish for you as a closer. You know, that's really where Creighton has had the success. You know, Kate, you know, you usually get one really good hitter in the lineup. Uh, you find a good guy at the top to, to set the, set the table. And then it's really about pitching and defense and especially relief pitching, you know, guys that can come in in the fifth, sixth, seventh innings, then hand it over to the guys in the eighth and the ninth innings and win games that way. And that's been a very successful formula for Ed service for a long time. I know they're excited about the pitching staff and bringing in a whole new host of hitters. Cause you're going to be replacing a lot of guys. I mean, you're literally replacing the two top guys in the lineup in Roden and Wegner, um, but they're, they're encouraged by what they're seeing, uh, obviously using the transfer portal. And let's face it, guys, when we saw it at the College World Series, college baseball is changing rapidly, just like all of the other sports. And now with the potential for big-name schools, the, big, the big-time baseball schools in the Pac-12 and the SEC to add full-time assistant coaches and more full-time assistant coaches, uh, you know they're going to put a lot of resources into that product, which again is a strain on smaller schools like Creighton that maybe don't have the same amount of resources, just makes it a little bit more difficult to compete at the very highest levels of the sport. So that is a look at baseball. Uh, Of course, the baseball season will begin again in February. And the good news is, for those of you who enjoy baseball on the radio, we will have Creighton baseball back on the air this fall on 1620 The Zone and 1180 The Zone. We look forward to uh, bringing you a, a lot of home games this season on the radio, uh, in addition to the coverage that you can see on Flow Sports and the Big East Digital Network. Let's shift gears and talk about soccer. And Josh, I know you had a chance to follow the soccer team very closely this season. It was really kind of a tale of three seasons. A super hot start, then a lull in the middle of the season, And then just as it looked like things were going to end, they catch a break at the very end. They eke their way into the Big East tournament. And then the magic begins. Yeah, it, it was. It really was, John, a tale of, th- of three years for this team. You know, I think back to the conversations that that I had with some of the, the the folks that I was lucky enough to call quite a few matches with. But back then, you know, Rob Sims and, and John Schreiner and I, we met with Johnny Torres before the year. And there was one thing that I had written down on my notes, basically in every match that I always kept looking back to. And, and that was he talked about the returning experience that the Blue Jays had. And and he he mentioned a season when he was an assistant coach and how this team had made a really deep run in the NCAA tournament one year. They essentially brought everybody back the following season. And he thought, wow, this is going to be awesome. We're going to go on a deep run. We're going to have another season like that. Maybe we can win a national championship. And in a way, he said they had too much leadership. 
and that all of the, the players, they were kind of so confident in their own abilities and their confidence in, in an ability to lead that maybe there were kind of like too many cooks in the kitchen. And I guess I thought about that quote so much as they kind of had that lull. You mentioned it. They got off to such a strong start. They scored 12 goals combined in their first two matches of the year. They had another six-goal game versus Omaha You know, in, in the sixth match of the season. They had a great draw versus Stanford, uh, a part of Soctoberfest. And it's like, wow, this team is going to go so deep. They're in the top 10. They're having a great start. And then things just kind of came unraveled. The defense fell apart a little bit. And the offense really suddenly found itself in this lull where you're looking back at the early part of the season and you're trying to figure out, okay, were those six goal matches versus Oakland and Rutgers and Omaha? What was, was, was that maybe them finding some luck in those games? Was it playing poor competition? What, what happened? Why, why did they become so boomer bust? And I remember having a discussion off the air with one of my broadcast partners saying, man, this season just, it did not turn into what I thought it would. That was sometime in mid to late October. <laughs> and, and then you talk about it, that, that run in the conference tournament, they outscore Xavier, the three seed on the road, Seton hall, the two seed and the number one seed Georgetown by a combined 11 to one in those three matches, they didn't give up any goals in the, in the last two, they outscored those teams nine to nothing. And then they get to the tournament and they fall down versus Missouri state. They come back on a very cold Morrison stadium surface. They get a two, one win. Oh, Hey, they, they fall behind early to the number one team in the country, Washington. Oh, no worries. They win that one, three to one. Oh, the same thing happens versus Tulsa. Then they beat Duke. I mean, it was, it was just an incredible performance. The match versus Syracuse in the college cup an 86 minute goal. Um, But I think that this is a year guys, as we were kind of talking a few minutes ago about, you know, great success in the last few years and maybe what it can mean moving forward. I mean, the proof of concept for Johnny Torres now finally getting his team to the NCAA tournament last year and really building upon it. I think the key moving forward will definitely be like that consistency from August all the way, hopefully into December. But but what a year for him. What a year for his team. And I mean, obviously, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention Duncan McGuire and just the tremendous season that he put forth. Twenty three goals on the year. Absolutely spectacular. I think the most impressive part, and we we covered it quite a bit, whether it's on the podcast and, and just talking to those guys throughout the season with when they were down in that in that middle stretch of the season. And you talk with Johnny, and you you guys know Johnny. He's always sort of the same, you know, as you go all the way even through. keel. But he, yeah, he's totally even keel. And they always knew what type of team they could be. So then they rip off the you know this run in the Big East tournament, and then into the NCAA tournament, and nothing has really changed. The response is no. like, I, I know you know this is the team that I thought we could be if we got to the upper end of, you know, our, our, our potential. And that's exactly where they ended up. And, and they, they went through the NCAA tournament and people called them a, you know, a, an underdog or a dark horse or whatever it was. They didn't feel that way. I mean, they were, they, they were older and experienced and, you know, stars at the top and, and, you know, all that stuff, all the boxes that you want to check that makes a deep run into the NCAA tournament. What, what a great year for that team. And it, there was definitely a way where it could have gone the other way if they just, you know, but all they, they knew the whole time, all they needed to do was get that little window, open up that little window. And that was getting into the big East tournament. And, you know, it was, it was off and running from there. So I'm, I'm happy it, 
it ended that way for him, even though there was a there was a lot of moments in the middle there in October when it looked like it probably wasn't for for a while. They they just kept on um, you know staying confident and being themselves, and and ultimately it fell in the right place for him. Johnny Torres now, you know, the the learning experience that he has now gotten to have over the last couple of seasons in particular, after, you know, a bit of a rough stretch for a program this proud, uh, it, it's got to be so vital for him, you know, again, like you really want to be able to see that, that all that hard work is paying off. Creighton now, their men's soccer program has been able to look at that over the last couple of seasons, and especially this year. Like, they know who they are, and they can build off of that moving forward. So Creighton men's soccer with another fantastic year and uh, the sixth overall college cup in program history. Uh, You could make the argument that they are certainly the sport that could be the closest to uh, breaking through and getting Creighton University its first ever NCAA national championship. Speaking of sports that are always in the contention or at least in the tournament, Creighton Volleyball, another Big East championship, eight straight tournaments. They've dominated this league every year that they have been in it. And uh, this year was absolutely no different as the Blue Jays uh, end up as the Big East regular season and tournament champions. And then it went an exciting five-setter over Marquette in the Big East tournament. Unfortunately, it, it, it really came down to very something, something similar that happened last year. You know, the Jays, unfortunately, lose one of their, uh, one of their top players, Jayla Zimmerman, During the NCAA tournament, team's not the same. Then it turns out that Kendra Waite, the setter, isn't available for the first game against Auburn, and that threw everything off. It was a disappointing finish, no doubt, but anytime you can dominate a conference like this team has and continue to beat Marquette, which is another solid program as much as they have, really there's only two things left for Kirsten Bernthal Booth's program. Number one, somehow find a way to beat Nebraska. They haven't been able to do that yet. And the other is to try to make consistent deep runs in the NCAA tournament, especially when you have the uh, home court advantage for the first two rounds. Yeah, I think I talked about this a couple a couple pods back. They they are now, you know, pretty well established as well, you know, one of the best Midwestern programs or, you know, they, they're, they're sort of a force to be reckoned with. And everybody knows sort of what Creighton volleyball is now. And they've played in, they've played in big matches and they're not afraid to play anybody and, and anybody sort of wherever. Um, and, and that part is awesome. So what's the, what's the next step for that group? And it, it probably it's, it really comes down to the, the little tiny pieces and, and tournament success is a, is, you know, Fortunately or unfortunately, it can define you there, and it's a really big part of that. So um, that's sort of the next step for them. But there's no doubt about the consistency of that program, um, and it's just sort of okay. How do we take that next step? How do we get a little bit better? No doubt that they have the coaching to do it, and the and the opportunity to get players in the area to do it. It's just sort of you know making that happen, and and. I got, you know, it's inches. They're, they're, yeah. they're not, they're not far away from uh, where, where we think they can be. And, and, and if they're not there already. Yeah. And John, going back to what you said about, you know, a couple things they got to do, you know, kind of breaking through that glass ceiling. One of those is, is beating Nebraska. I want to talk about just that, that spectacular atmosphere that we were on hand for. We did, we did on sportsmanlike conduct from the arena ahead of a weird start time. It's a five o'clock start time. And we hear, we're getting all these reports from outside. Traffic is horrible. Traffic is horrible. And that place filled up so quickly 
And that match went five sets. What a comeback from Creighton after falling down two sets early. And they rally back. They push it to five. And, and you know, we've done the show in a lot of interesting spots and cool spots. This is among the most memorable that I have ever had as we're talking about whatever. God knows what. And we got volleyball going on below us, two of the best programs in the entire country in front of thousands of people on national television. It was such a cool moment. This team, like Connor just said, inches, man, they are so close to breaking through. And and you just wonder, does it happen in 2023? And then how can it happen? We had many conversations with Kirsten Bernthal Booth this year. We talked to players this season. Uh, it, it was it was quite the ride. I look forward to seeing what's on tap for them next next fall in 2023. Yeah, and it just makes you wonder what's next because uh, the last two years uh, they've had conference player of the year. They've had conference um, freshman of the year. Nora Sis graduates from being the freshman of the year to the player of the year. She'll be a junior next season. And Ava Martin took her uh, crown as the freshman of the year in the Big East. She will be back. They'll certainly have to replace some experience. We mentioned Zimmerman a moment ago. Sadly, because of the knee injury, she really only got some spot duty uh, this past season. So really didn't get a chance to maximize her full potential. But they will have to replace uh, Keely Davis and Kiana Schmidt. But uh, for the most part, this team is just – it's now in the spot where it's – they reload. They don't rebuild. Yep. They reload. They they have recruited this area very well. They still get really good players out of Omaha, but they're really starting to spread their proverbial wings and, uh, and move out not just uh, beyond, you know, Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin, but uh, moving into Texas, moving out to California, moving to North Carolina. There's a lot of talent out there, as we've seen in volleyball and Kirsten Bernthal Booth, uh, Angie Oxley Barons and Brian Rosen and the whole staff, they've done a really good job of continuing to feed the pipeline. And so we'll see what next season brings, but certainly this year, uh, despite the disappointing finish in the first round of the NCAA tournament, just another tremendous year for Creighton volleyball. Again, a reminder, our 1620, the Jays year in review podcast is presented by Barry law. Your most important assets are your body, your mind, and your future. When those are jeopardized by an injury that isn't your fault, you need to fight back and regain your life. Call Barry law at 402-999-7777 or visit barrylawfirm.com. At Barry law, we help defend the rights of those in need at Barry law. We are in it to win it. But despite the great success of soccer and volleyball, You might say, and you have to say, really, the story of the year in Creighton Athletics 2022 has to be Jim Flannery's women's basketball team because they came out of nowhere to not only perform well in the Big East Conference, which we expected, Mm -hmm. but then to go in and to make the program's first ever run to the Elite Eight. They were one game away from getting to a basketball Final Four, not a men's basketball Final Four, a women's basketball final four in a conference that features one of the perennial great programs in all of women's basketball, the Yukon Huskies. This gentleman was certainly the story of the year for Creighton athletics. John, I couldn't agree more. I think that you were spot on. You know, I, I had a chance to call a few of the games that finished up the calendar year, 2021, a couple of those non-conference games. And I, you know, I'm sitting there with, with my partner, Rob Sims, and, and we're talking off air. I'm like, man, this this is a really good and talented team. And, and they kept it going into the, into the new year. 
and it was a game at UConn on Sunday, January the 9th. My mom's birthday. Happy birthday, Mom. And they go on the road at UConn, and they only lose by eight. And I'm watching that game, and I'm thinking, okay, I thought that this team was good, but I think that they might be pretty special. They sadly fell at home. They got off to a great start versus the Huskies. They ended up losing that one by 20, but they rebounded really well from that. They picked up some victories uh, throughout the course of the the finish of the regular season. But that tournament run, and especially, like, I know that they, they won a game versus Iowa State to go to the Elite Eight. They won that game in the Sweet 16. But I will never forget that Sunday afternoon in late March watching them beat Iowa on the road at Iowa City and Lauren Jensen hitting that big shot and just what it meant for that program. It, it was so cool. You know, we you you hear so often in sports, guys, oh, this, this athlete is so easy to root for. This coach is so easy to root for. We've said those superlatives a lot about Jim Flannery, but all of them are true, and he is such a, a likable coach. He has put together a really fun program, and they've kept it going, of course. They've been a, a, a ranked team throughout the entire 2022-2023 uh, campaign. I cannot wait to see what this eventually turns into by the time we're in March in a few months. But, uh, John, you're right. What, what a story that the women's basketball program was in calendar year 2022. Yeah, I mean, you got to go back to that Iowa game. I mean, that that game, everybody was watching. It, it was it was an event. It was on ABC. It was on ABC like, Network it was, News. It was on network television. That was so much fun to watch, and everybody's watching for, you know, the Caitlin Clark show, and they got the Lauren Jensen show at the end. I mean, what a what a moment for, for that program, and they've been able to, to carry it over. I, I saw them. So, Josh, you mentioned that sort of, you know, pivotal moment in January of this past year. You're like, hold on, what, wait. In two months prior, I saw them, you know, in Lincoln against Nebraska, and they lost a, a grinder. And if you if you fast forward over a year to their game against Nebraska this Ooh. year, yeah, I mean, night that's and a, day. it's a, it's night and day. That's a different team, and and they wanted it. So, um, you know, and they've been able to carry that, and they have huge games coming up, uh, obviously, as they head into into Big East play as well. So I can't wait um, to see what this year ends up being for them, and they've been able to to. Hand, you know, it's a. We'll talk about this with men's basketball handling the sort of target on your back a little bit, and they've transitioned really well into that, and they've they've handled it really well. And and what a what a group of a core group of players that they have, yep. um, selfless, you know, and and Flan keeps them on the right track. So that that has been a really really impressive program, and and they they feel like they're you know I want to say they're peaking because I don't know how much further they can go, but man, they're they're in a really really sweet spot right now. Yeah, yeah, and I'd like add to... this too. Oh, sorry, yeah, John. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say I would add to Hap the the way that they play that style. It is so infectious. Um, I think that they're very unselfish. They obviously like playing basketball with each other. I think they have great chemistry on the floor. Uh, so that that is going to be such a fun thing to see uh, as they get into conference play, full on conference play. And uh, yeah, look, they're coming out of the non-con extremely challenged. You know, they finished up last week versus Stanford up in Palo Alto. Uh, and, and that was another ranked team that they had. So they're a challenged group as a uh, big East conference play really gets going. Yeah. And, and really, you know, you can go back to last year. It was really the game they won at Arkansas that, that, kind of showed what the possibilities were for this team before Big East play. And, of course, they faced Arkansas again this year. Sadly, didn't win, but you're right, challenging themselves. They were the only team in college basketball to play ranked teams in the first week of the season when they played the Dakota schools. 
And and then Connor, of course, mentioned the Nebraska game. And the scary thing is they really haven't found their three-point shot yet. They're not shooting the three quite as well as they did last year. But you know that with Molly and Jensen, they have the ability to go off and have big games, especially shooting from deep. So once they start to find that, I think they're really going to find their rhythm. But off to you know a tremendous start as they head into calendar year 2023 certainly Creighton women's basketball has answered the bell they have responded well to having the target on their proverbial back and speaking of that we now move on (laughs) to men's basketball and of course last season it was such a it was such an unusual year with the 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 decision by Greg McDermott from the very beginning hey you know some teams are going to build through free agency we are going to build through the draft, meaning we're going to go out, we're going to recruit our core players, we're going to build them up, and and we're going to ride with it. And despite the fact that you had all of these, you know, great seniors or, or, you know, guys who eventually went on to professional basketball that were leaving, you brought in the core of the young group, you mixed them in with the Ryan Kalkbrenners, and then you really found the magic sauce. Um, Well, two things. Number one, uh, Alex O'Connell, I thought, really stepped up and had a really solid season, considering that he was really just a uh, just an off the bench, not even a sixth man uh, the year prior. But he stepped up big, hit the huge shot at Marquette on New Year's Day that started off calendar year 2022 on a good foot and and was really solid throughout the course of the year. I thought got better as a defender as the year went on, but. Ryan Hawkins, uh, I mean, the, the the young man from Atlantic, Iowa, I mean, just in a, the epitome of what you want in a team player, just a, a leader through and through, certainly a guy that could go off and get you some buckets, but certainly a leader on the court, a communicator on the court. And the Jays had to change things up last year. They had to play slower. They had to be defense first. And they discovered something in the offseason the summer before, Greg McDermott did, when Ryan Kalkbrenner, and this may have been, the most important thing to come out of the last off season was when Ryan Kalkbrenner was with team USA and realized that here's a guy who can roll and recover on defense better than they had thought. They, they really thought that Kalkbrenner was going to be a guy that's just going to have to plant himself down in the post and just be a shot blocker, but his ability to get out on ball handlers, to get a hand in the face, to disrupt, and then recover and get back in time to make plays at the rim. That ability, that ability to come out and hedge occasionally on the on the high ball screens. When Greg McDermott saw that he had the ability to do that, it changed everything. And that's when this season really started to get going. And they built their identity through a slower pace, more deliberate pace, and defense, and certainly fighting through all of the adversity that they did last year. It was truly one of the more inspirational runs, especially after Ryan Nemhard went down at St. John's. You thought in that moment, okay, you lose your point guard. The, the season is over. But that's when Trey Alexander stepped up. And for him to play his biggest game of his career on the big stage of the NCAA tournament and have a career night performance, he got the big you know, three-point play at the end of the game against San Diego State propelling them into the second round against Kansas. That, to me, will always stand out as like the signature play or the the signature moment of the year, the way that team fought back, found ways to win, and just gritted through the entire season. 
it's why a lot of the expectations were so high coming into this year. Yeah, it was, it was such a rewarding team. I mean, you know, if we if we go back up to the start of 2022, the calendar year 2022, and what happened, you know, prior to that, as they started their season last year, like, man, I just I just don't know. I I, I don't know what this team is going to be. Um, you know, they they weren't scoring enough, and they're still they're really trying to find out that way to play that you know the defense first style and slow it down and, and plot it out, and then. It, you know, they started to play well and things got thinner. Like you said, you lose them hard. You lose, you lose people sort of left and right um, in the NCAA tournament. And you have to fight through all of that stuff as well. And, and you know, they, they took Kansas all the way down to the wire in the second. And that's your eventual national champion. So what, what a rewarding team to watch. Um, they brought the, the, you know, the core back for this year with a couple. And, and John, I'm glad you mentioned those two from last year with O'Connell and Hawkins obviously hugely notable exceptions to what they don't have this year, um, particularly, you know, Hawkins, but um, you know, it's, that was, I, I hope that we can sort of look at that team by itself in a vacuum without, you know, making them combine with this one too much. And well, there's a plenty of time left for the 2000, you know, 22, 23 team, but that was such a fun year and such a rewarding year last year at the end um, for Creighton to exceed expectations and another great coaching job by Mac. And, and there's still plenty of time to, to, to write the ship in, in, in this way this year too. Yeah. Hap, the, the word you use there was rewarding. And, and I, John and I so often over the years have talked about, you know, rooting for a team that is like a surprise versus the one that has the burden of expectations. And I think it's pretty funny that, you know, Creighton fans for the men's basketball program, they've gotten a root for both literally in the span of a calendar year. Mm -hmm. You know, last year's team is the epitome of that group where you're just like, this is fun. I'm going to hop on this ride and see where it takes me. And it, it had some high highs. You know, they, they, I remember when they beat, and this was technically in 2021, but they beat uh, Villanova in December. And it's like, whoa, that came out of nowhere after what they did in November. And they had some pretty low lows, but I mean, they, they would bounce, they bounced, they kept bouncing back and they, they got a lot of, you know, ranked pelts on the wall. And of course, by the time that that Kansas game finished up, you thought, oh, wow. You know, what, what a really rewarding, fun season. And immediately the burden of expectations were put on this 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 team that we're watching right now. Um, you look back, Ryan Hawkins, you know, what, what a player he was. And, I mean, it's been so obvious now over the last, you know, few weeks how much they have missed somebody of that caliber. But it, it's it's been fun to watch them. When they have played at their best this year, they have been a really, really enjoyable team to watch. I, I'm, I'm really curious, I think, as everybody is that's listening to this, to see if they can find their way again. I mean, it, it wasn't always pretty last year, and they bounced back pretty strong when the calendar flipped to 2022. Let's see if they have it the same when it flips to 2023. Well, uh, obviously, the key is going to be to get Ryan uh, Kalkbrenner back uh, and back playing on a regular basis. And then to be able to flip the switch and maybe react and, and think and put yourself in the mindset of, well, we've kind of put ourselves in a corner similar to where they were several times last year, basically not by means of their own, but, you know, this is more self-inflicted wounds, but maybe, you know, changing that mindset to, hey, we are now hunting. We're no longer being hunted because we dug ourselves into a hole. And if they can find their way through, and I still think that there is, there's obviously room to grow. And you've got, and I'm talking about the three core, uh, the three core uh, sophomores now, 
Uh, Trey Alexander certainly has gone through a slump recently. Nemhart's gone through a slump recently. But I've been encouraged what I've seen out of Arthur Kaluma. He's taken a little bit more on his shoulders. Um, he's not turning the ball over nearly as much. And you wonder when they do get Kalkbrenner back, if that plus what he just provides from a defensive and an offensive standpoint might be able to open the floor up again for Alexander and Nemhard to show the skill set that they showed both last year and earlier in this season. It's not too late to move things in the right direction, but as I've said many times on our, uh, on our radio coverage, uh, the Big East will not feel sorry for you. And <laughs> they are going to they are going to come at you with both barrels, especially the team in Stores, Connecticut, because they've never beaten Creighton. And you know that, um, you know, Mr. Hurley has that in the back of his mind and is thinking, yeah, we owe these guys several. And uh, and so they're they're going to have to they're going to have to overcome that and they're going to have to overcome the rest of their conference. But there is still time. We'll see if they can turn it around here as we reach 2023 they may not be able to reach the expectations, which is still going to come, you know, as, as a great disappointment to a lot of folks who were maybe planning trips to Kansas City or, dare I say, even Houston. But they can still salvage something out of this. And then once you get in the tournament, who knows? You know, yeah. if you can get to the tournament, it, from there on, it's, it's a crapshoot. And we've seen the Jays be on the good side of the ledger at times. Mm -hmm. We've seen them be on the bad side of the ledger when it comes to matchups. And maybe they can be that surprise team like similar to what we saw out of UCLA a couple of years ago where you scuffle, heck, even North Carolina last year scuffled through the regular season for the most part, but found themselves in the right time, got hot at the right time. And that's really what it's about, isn't it? I mean, in, in just about any postseason endeavor, it's the teams that get hot at the right time. It's not the team that's necessarily great from start to finish, though you do see a few that are like that, but it's usually that team that really gets hot the last you know, the, the, once you hit that last quarter pull of the season and just ride that wave into the postseason, the key is to be able to get to that point and put yourself in a position. And uh, that's going to be a tough task against this conference. Well, it's still the same, you know, basically similar group of guys that, and, and I think, you know, that it's, that hasn't changed. Those guys have developed a little bit as well. And, and you get Kalkbrenner back. They could still win in a lot of different ways. It's sort of about finding that you know your your footsteps again and and um, your identity. I mean, we haven't talked about that with with Creighton basketball in a long time. It's been so apparent at all times what their identity is. And I think at this point in the season, that's you know you, you got to pick sort of one side or the other. What are you going to be? And the good thing is because of their talent level, they have options. Um, and so they're, they're going to have that, the, the margin for error is thin at this point. Um, so you're, you know, the, the clock is sort of ticking, but, um, you know, <laughs> Mac tweeted this out a, a week or two ago. Um, I, I wouldn't quit on them. I, I wouldn't quit on them just yet. I don't think they're going to quit either. It's, it's still a good group of guys and I wouldn't, you know, quit on a Greg McDermott coach team either. Yeah, well, I guess one final thing for me, guys, would just be like, can they find that sweet spot in terms of ways to win games? You know, like I, I think that what we thought they could be, whether it's, you know, a deep run in the tournament uh, or even stylistically, certainly the latter, I don't think that they're going to be able to do it in the way that perhaps we thought they could. So finding ways to win these games. They, look, they, they weren't always pretty last year, and they really started – figuring it out at about this time. So I have no doubt that they could do so again. It's just, you know, will they be able to? And then where, where will that health be as December turns to January turns to February turns to March? 
Well, that'll wrap things up for the year in review, 1620 The Jays podcast. Of course, we'll have all new podcasts all throughout the calendar year of 2023. As we mentioned, plenty of basketball through the winter, and then we'll get into the spring sports. And we look forward to all of our conversations with Creighton coaches and athletes. A reminder that this podcast is presented each week by Barry Law, your most important assets, your body, your mind, and your future. And when those are jeopardized by an injury, that isn't your fault. You need to fight back and regain your life. Call Barry Law at 402-999-7777 or visit barrylawfirm.com. At Barry Law, we help defend the rights of those in need. At Barry Law, we are in it to win it. Connor and Josh, happy holidays, happy new year, and we'll see you in 2023. Happy New Year. (laughs) Happy New Year. And that'll wrap things up for the 1620 The Jays podcast, a presentation of Creighton University Athletics and NRG Media Omaha.